and welcome to the Boundless Book Club from the Emirates Literature Foundation. You are here with Annabelle, Andrea, and Ahlam. At the Emirates Literature Foundation, we like nothing more than to talk about books. And in literature, as with anything else, some of the best conversations stem from juicy scandals and controversies. So today we're going to be talking about some controversies within literature. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we talking about today? I would like to open by saying I think what is considered scandalous changes quite a lot over time. So during my research, I found that Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham was banned for several years in the US for communism. And I have just read Green Eggs and Ham the other day, and I I really struggled to figure it out. Yeah, and a lot of times it's context as well, right? It's what perspective you're reading it from and, you know, the the consequence, like the circumstances, sorry, around a specific book, like you say, what the author's beliefs are, how their actions are, how the book is perceived in a certain market, what are its effects on certain minority communities. And these are some of the things that, make a certain book controversial or not. And just before actually this recording, I read something online, which came to me in like the perfect time about the what we're going to discuss today. It says, when you debate a person about something that affects them more than it affects you, remember that it'll be a much greater emotional toll on them than on you. For you, it might feel like an academic exercise. For them, it feels like revealing their pain only to have you dismiss their experience and sometimes their humanity. The fact that you might remain more calm under these circumstances is a consequence of your privilege, not increased objectivity on your part. You know, even for for me, you know, the book that I've chosen today, I think I'll go straight into it. It really put things into perspective before I come into this conversation because uh, the book I'm talking about today is American Dirt by Janine Cummins, which had a lot of controversy around it in the U.S. and amongst the Latinx community. Um, So I'll I'll go to the plot uh, of the book first. And the plot is about uh, Lydia, who is a middle-class mother living in the town of Acapulco in Mexico and has an eight-year-old son, uh, Luca. She's married and she has a bookshop. And somehow in the bookshop, she gets into this relationship, this somehow flirtatious relationship with a narco. She, you know, she didn't know who he was and, and, and then she gets stuck in this situation and then he starts to pursue her strongly, which puts her family in danger and her life in danger. So she's taking her son, Luca, and escaping to the United States or the, the land of the free. So the, the controversy around the story has been, well, it started with, first of all, Oprah picking it for her book club, which gave a huge, huge amount of attention to the book. The writer Janine herself is neither Mexican nor an immigrant. So, you know, to, to start with, a lot of the people were, you know, were saying what gives someone the right to talk about something that, that is so sensitive, but they have no experience or or deep understanding of. And I think, you know, a lot of the frustration, again, to put things into context with everything that's happening in the U.S. right now, racism in American publishing as well. So I have some stats that I'm going to share with you guys. So of the books that are published in America, 84% are of Caucasian white authors, 5% Asian, 4% mixed race, 3% Hispanic, 
2% black African-American, 2% other. So, I mean, Americans, but looking at the divide in race of how much of a voice you get because of your gender is insane. And that's where all this frustration comes from, where they're like, okay, for Oprah to say that this is the first book that has given her such a, you know, opened her heart to the situation or giving, given her that kind of empathy or understanding of the situation. First of all, it's false because the book is inaccurate and sort of reinforces uh, a lot of false stereotypes about you know, the situation in Mexico and the, the immigration that happens, illegal immigration and things like that. And the book, you know, went to the publishers at the time when Trump had just come into office. So, so it's, you know, the whole you know, him trying to build a wall and Mexican families being put in cages at the borders. So, so you know, you, you think about where people are coming from. And then to say, you know, they pick the one book which sort of reinforces their own narrative or that story that they want people to, to read and, and highlight. It's just, it's not a right representation. Now, we obviously want, as you know, writers of fiction should be able to write about whatever they want, right? I mean, you write fiction and you, you're not supposed to just write about your own experiences or your own backgrounds. You're supposed to research different situations and write whatever you want. The problem, I think, isn't really in the book. It's the moment people started to highlight it as that book that's giving people understanding of the situation where all the controversy started and it started to be a sour topic for a lot of people. Yeah, because I think the way it was marketed as well and the way it ended up being talked about, if you read the marketing material, as with most books, it's marketed as the book to understand this issue. I don't think I've done as much research as you have, but I did go to the book online and I looked at all the kind of the five-star reviews, who they were by, and then the one-star reviews and who they were from. And, you know, it was members of that community who were like, look, this doesn't ring true. And they were able to bullet point list. Look, you could have checked this. You could have checked this. You could have checked this. And from what I read, it, it seemed like beyond the writer, there were other people who could have stepped in and said, look, let's give this to some people in this community to read and give you feedback and I wonder why whether that happened or how it happened or whether there was more that could have been done and kind of how that works in a with a book like that especially in the times that we live yeah and I think I think the publishers really did did not do their job right or the homework when when publishing this book right they should have made the the, the necessarily necessary corrections or done their research before it goes live and before it's handed to Oprah to, to share with the whole world in such a, since the subject is so sensitive, it affects so many people. I mean, we experience this as Arabs all the time. You watch Hollywood, huge, big budget films, you know, how, how much money has gone into this, but you can't put a little bit of effort into finding an Arab to play an Arab, <laughs> you know, you know, a Persian or a Indian or a Mexican person playing an Arab and speaking this cringy, bad Arabic. <laughs> and, you know, you're like, for God's sake, you had George Clooney in the film and you have Brad Pitt in the film. You have budget and access to do this right. There's so many Arabs in America. <laughs> Why do you keep doing this? Um, and they feel the same because the editor of this book was like Argentinian American. And, you know, the, the language was not accurate you know they bring they're bringing in like the spanish words were not accurately you know the language wasn't right uh and so it just 
made things all the more sour. But like you say, there was that that launch party that they had where barbed wires and, oh and borders were like centerpieces at the tables where people were having lobster, for example. That, I think that's where the bad taste comes from. It was like they were celebrating all the actual real atrocities that are happening at the time, as opposed to saying, here's a work of fiction. It's a, it's a thriller. A word that came up a lot or a phrase in reviews and all over the place with this book was trauma porn. Yeah, that's exactly what I think the issue was. It's like, it's, it seems like she's quite sad about everything. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. and how her intentions were to kind of speak to people. And it seems highlight highlight this because she was moved by the story so it's quite sad to see how that completely spiraled out of control yeah it's not her fault that she got published and an actual immigrant wasn't so she wrote the best book she could and it was bought for lots of money and published and then they had this massive marketing campaign with barbed wire as part of that main image yeah and I, i get it i'm also i feel sad for her because her intentions were good. It just, it wasn't, people didn't feel like it was her story to tell. Yeah. And as someone like reading the book without thinking about that whole back background and, you know, it's someone who it does not live in America and is not interacting with, with that situation in any way. I read the book and I saw the relationship of a mother with her son and a mother who dug deep and found all the strength she could to save her son's life. And that for me was the story I was really gripped by and focused on. So, um, you know, again, it's, it's all about your perspective, right? Like your context, where, where you're coming from. And I guess I didn't, I just didn't see it when I was reading it from that perspective, but then now doing the research and hearing people out, you sort of understand that actually it makes a lot of sense. I've spoken to someone who covered this in their book club and we're talking about this controversy like it's this you know massive thing that everyone is aware of I think because we are involved in the book community and the book world we are aware of the controversy and we think that everyone else is sometimes but they had no clue about this other conversation going on behind the book and I think that that is a big part of those one star Amazon reviews if that's the one book a year somebody reads that is the only experience of that community that they're having and they're not necessarily paying attention to these other conversations people are busy you know there's other stuff in the news so it it really took me aback to think that people weren't engaging with this conversation about the book they were just reading the book and moving on yeah well that's that's my controversial book of the episode what do you guys have i want i want to know what andrea's got so aklam's got a very contemporary controversy i've got one from 1955 it's vladimir nabokov's lolita which was banned for many many years i wanted to read a passage actually but it's so feverish in pitch that it was impossible to pull out a passage and read it to you and and, and for that to represent the book because it's it's really uncomfortable for those who don't know, it's a story of Humbert Humbert, a middle-aged man who falls in love with a 12-year-old girl called um, Lolita, Dolores, but Lolita is his pet name for her. And he marries her mother who passes away and then he goes on this frantic, horrible road trip slash kidnapping escape with a 12-year-old girl. And it's it's a really horrific story that... Um, is written so incredibly well and the way he has done it it, it just you are inside 
humbled, humbled, not just inside his head, you're inside his skin. You are looking at Lolita through his eyes. And some people call it the greatest love story ever written. I don't feel like it is at all, but you are reading it and it's got this frantic pace and you are in his skin and you are, it, it's got such a, such a momentum to it that you are feeling disgusted with yourself as you are reading it, as you imagine that he should be, but he isn't. And it's, it's one of those books, again, that will be slightly painful to read, but it will be really worth the pain and it will stay with you. And after years after reading it, even if you pick it up again, it will just bring you back to those feelings that you had while you read it the first time, which I think is an incredible achievement. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really recommend it. I know lots of people probably wouldn't want to engage with that topic because it is really difficult. It is a struggle. But again, I don't think Vladimir Nabokov had any personal first-hand experience of this topic. I don't think he represented a community. I think at the time when he wrote this, he was the only man in the world willing to put these thoughts and ideas onto paper. And, and you can see why it was banned. It was, you know, it was outrageous and it still is today. But it's such an iconic story that, you know, till today is controversial and is talked about and adapted in, in so many other books and movies and um songs lana del rey references nabokov all the time well lolita is not just a word anymore uh, not just a name anymore lolita is representative of a prepubescent girl who is somewhat enticing for for elderly men it's inc it's incredible and it's horrible and it's um it's exactly what the book is i mean lolita is a classic and is it a classic because it's so well written like is that why it's endured even though it's so horrible is it also the controversy people want to know what all the fuss is about i think it's so outrageous as a story but the fact that you're still able to sort of enjoy the writing it's i mean i think there's there's some kind of magic in the writing of this book i haven't read anything else he's written but you're, you are just, it, it's like a really rapid current that you are swept away by. That you just, you can't resist it. And it's so, you're so uncomfortably close to what is happening in it. That I think, I think even if he was writing this about something else, the writing is so powerful that you can't, you can't resist it. I think I'm still going to resist. <laughs> <laughs> That's only because you haven't stepped into it yet. I have, I have a controversy that I can talk about if you're ready. Yeah, yeah great. great. That's, that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. From contemporary American dirt to, you know, 1955 Lolita back to contemporary we're, we're, we're going to talk about the Catholic Church, guys. <laughs> Excellent. So I'm not going to go into too much detail because to do that, it would require a podcast of many days. Uh, <laughs> we are going to be talking about The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. So this, this was a book that I completely forgot was even controversial. When I thought of Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, the controversy that came to my mind, weirdly enough, was the controversy of saying that you like it <laughs> rather than it offending anybody. And it, isn't it interesting how, like you say, Ahlam, your context, like your upbringing, the things that you bring to the book really impact how you perceive what's, you know, offensive, what's, what's inoffensive. Yeah. The first time I read this book, I was 12 years old. 
I think. And I read it and I remember thinking, and I'm saying this on a recorded podcast, that I thought it was great. It was a (laughs) a mystery thriller and I was thrilled the whole way. And when the movie came out in 2006, I loved that as well because it had your man Tom Hanks in it, who is brilliant, playing Robert Langdon. Ian McKellen was in it as well. What's not to love? So I just thought it was this harmless story about, as you know, uh, guy appears murdered in the louvre great setup there are clues in paintings um there is a, apparently a 2000 year old secret that the the church is trying to keep secret and they come off at the end of the film the catholic church is you know the bad guys who are trying to suppress the truth and of course there's the secret organization opus day and their practices that come to light as well at the time all of this completely passed me by i was just a kid i was like oh that was a great book really interesting let's move on now so one of the main issues that they have with the book is that it seems obvious that this whole thing would be fiction but in interviews and in the beginning of the book he's actually quoted as saying that all of the art, architecture, secret rituals, secret societies, all of that is historical fact. So if you if you unpick what he says in a kind of legal lawyerly way, he's not really saying anything that isn't true. But the way it comes across before you open the book, and, and he said this in an interview, 99% of it is true. 99%, that's what he said. I'm sorry, but what? That seems questionable. I'm sure, I'm sure there would be a few lawyers who might be able to argue that for us. Yeah, so what he says here is the, there's a Harvard symbologist named Robert Langdon and all of his action is fictionalized, but the background is all true. And that's what he said in an interview, all true. So you know what? I do understand because they had such a, there was such a backlash after this book was published and particularly when the film started to come out as well. And that's something that I noticed a lot with anything that had a religious controversy. So I'm a big fan of a lot of the things that apparently anger quite a few churches and mothers groups I've discovered in the past 24 hours. Lucifer comics. The comics themselves, I couldn't find a lot of controversy about them. But the moment that they said that that was being made into a TV series, when the trailer came out before the show had even aired, you had mothers writing in saying, how dare you make Satan look like a sexy bad boy? Um, Have either of you watched The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Mm, No. One episode, I think. Is that the new Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the new adaptation? Okay. It's a lot darker and deals in the occult a lot more than the, the one that we maybe grew up with years yeah. and years ago. Yeah. And mm. not only did they upset religious groups with that, but also in one of the episodes, they had to get rid of a certain statue because they also angered the Satanic Temple. Oh, wow. oh dear. The Satanic Temple based in Salem, Massachusetts, defines its mission in part to reject tyrannical authority and to encourage benevolence and empathy among all people. And so one of the symbols that they use, the goat-headed statue in the Sabrina series, they said being associated with a series like that gave them a bad name. So the moral of the story really is you can't please everyone. Overall, when we've been discussing this, the surprise I have sometimes that other people who make these complaints to, say, the Catholic Church, they don't necessarily do any additional background research. The issue is that the mass, like... The masses don't really 
go too deep into research on every topic, right? It's like people do have a tendency of taking things as they are, as they're presented, you know, whether it's for lack of time or just, you know, that's, that's how the, the media and the press encourage you to be one thing to the next and take it as we give it to you. If you're not doing your research in depth about all sorts of different topics and making up your own mind, then you're always in danger of things influencing the masses towards where they shouldn't. This is why I think history books are more, I use the word dangerous, but they're they're more dangerous in terms of misinformation, I think, than historical fiction. Because at least with fiction, there is a certain kind of, okay, this might not all be 100% true. But if, if a history book is, is written and published, people take that as fact. And not to say that they're not all well-researched, but every single history book is written by someone with a certain perspective. So true. We can't forget that. So I think that, that that's far more controversial, that that is taken as more factual, just as a given and that's that's the reality of the world we live in. Every every country, every um, region has their own version of history that they want their people to remember, and that's that's how it is. That's the way of the world. But one thing, I have one question left for both of you, um, which is: Do you actually recommend these two books that you have? talked about do you think people should read the da vinci code annabelle no oh no why are you asking me this (laughs) i have read it okay it's it's (laughs) um for anyone who likes a really quick read and isn't bothered too much about the writing style then yeah give it a go and i'm pretty sure everyone has already anyway so there's no there's no point either way of me recommending it I know that's a cop-out answer (laughs) it really is look for me it's like it's a really quick read it's like if you're on a on a train ride somewhere and you want something like that's just it's an easy read it's not the most you know the characters are not always the most believable it's not necessarily very strong writing but it's a, it's okay i think that's a no <laughs> <laughs> if it takes you like 50 words to get to yes then that's a no <laughs> it, there's there's a there's a thrill to it like like it's quick and there's a thrill and you do like want to know what what happens with it so um i'm a 50 50 i'd say <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna, gonna go back to my answer and also on what you've just said as well i don't think we should be telling anyone don't read these of books. Of course not. Yeah. I actually encourage you to read things like Angels and Demons and read The Da Vinci Code. The past 24 hours have been such a trip, guys. Researching the background to The Da Vinci Code and what people's objections are and hidden gospels. I've I've learned a lot about Christianity in the past 24 hours that I didn't know about before. So read The Da Vinci Code, read these other books, but do additional reading. I wouldn't read The Da Vinci Code to learn about Christianity full stop though. No, but I mean, I mean, use that as your jumping off point to go, okay, this is a thing that he says. Let's look at what actually happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What about you, Andrea? Would you recommend your book? A hundred percent. I mean, it's so uncomfortable though, that I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who, who gets very affected by what they read. You might want to, you know, put the book in the freezer for a little bit. (laughs) 
Have you ever picked up a book just so you could weigh in on the debate? What is the most controversial book you have read? And was it a storm in a teacup or was the outrage justified? Let us know by emailing comms at emirateslitfest or you can send us a message on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and on YouTube. Don't forget to hit subscribe and give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts.